Welcome to the Sloppy Boys Blowout. It's me, the big hand bopper. I'm sitting here with Jeff Dutton. That's right, folks. It's Jeff Dutton. (laughs) (laughs) And Wolfman Tim. How's everybody doing out there in Radio Land? All right. It's great to have you guys back on the show. The two best hosts in all of podcasting. (laughs) Two best guests that a host could ever ask for. Whoa, I better have my coffee. Thanks for having us. (laughs) Who's having a hell of a blowout? Wow. Yeah. Um, and and also, it's worth mentioning that we're broadcasting this live on AM radio this week. This is AM radio. Mm-hmm. Big hand bop, big big hand bopper. Uh, Jeff Dutton, who does maybe has a nickname, maybe. Uh, um, let's see, uh, Jeffy Kasem. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffy Kasem, yeah, I like that. I was going to try to trying to go for alliteration. Like he's Casey Kasem. Maybe oh, yeah, I'm. Yeah. Jeffy, Jeffy Jason. Jeffy Jason. <laughs> Jason? Right. Yeah, Jason. Jason Statham. I got, we I did got it. poison ivy on my cock. <laughs> hey, watch it. Hey, well, hey, that's, a pop, that's a popular text. Tweet. Oh, my God. I'm calling texts, tweets, and tweets, texts. This is not, this is not going well, not Jeffy Jason. Off to a wobbly start here on the blowout. <laughs> <laughs> We're at the blowout. The patrons are here. Thank you, Patrons. We love you. And how do we feel about the tip jar in this episode? Do we like them? Do tip we not jar like them? Fuck, and, uh, fuck drop dead. Yeah, I got a tip for them. Why don't you see your way out of here? Okay, you shouldn't be great. in here. Um, and the Big Money Hustlers. Oh, royalty love, in my oh, eyes. Love, 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 love them. God. Now, I don't want to go down the road of calling out a bunch of Patrons name, by their names and, and giving specific shout outs. We'd be here all day because we love them all. Yeah, right. But not too long ago, mm-hmm. last week or so, uh, Miranda. Dot text? Dot text posted <laughs> a very funny video, I mean, a tweet that said, me, when I'm about to listen to the Sloppy Boys, <laughs> and it was this ch- ch- child actor who was at the oh. Osmosis Jones premiere. <laughs> and yeah. he's going, I, I'm most excited to crack up. Um, I haven't really cracked up in a while, so I really hope I can just totally crack up. And, and I got to say, I, well, I've i watched that 40 times, man, and I cracked up so you, hard. My impression was that kid was doing like, he was being a little, uh, sh- not a shit, but a little rascal. Like I don't he was think so. Trying to be I funny. Think, I think he has that child actor thing where like, you hang out with too many adults like Frankie right, Muniz, right, you get right. the sense that adults love it, that you seem precocious. And then you you kind of have been mainly hanging out with your agent and manager. And, and you're like, I can't wait to crack up. It's, <laughs> a little, it's a little bit sad. And I hope that kid's doing OK. Was he was he uh, in the movie? Osmosis Jones? I thought it was just like a testimonial, like like we're interviewing people outside yeah, of the movie. Yeah, yeah, that's what I, I got the impression. Oh. I mean, he definitely looked like a child actor for sure. He was like an, mm. an L.A. kid. He Right, so may, maybe he was just going to that movie as part of a focus group, but he lived at the Oakwood Apartments and was auditioning for pilot season. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, if you know the backstory behind the crack-up kid, please mail it into the show. <laughs> he seems like in the cherished lineage of 
the apparently kid mm. yep. or something like that. Where, where it's like, where was this piece of footage hiding for so long? Why is it yeah, only going yeah. viral now well, in like 2021? It's, like <laughs> it's like a few minutes into a YouTube video that's like highlights from the Osmosis Jones red carpet. <laughs> so, somebody really did have to dig, dig through a little and find bit. that. It's amazing. You guys know who uh, I Like Turtles kid is, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I was. Ha- oh, 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 yeah, yeah. I yeah. do know who he is. I, I thought, I thought you were going to say like he's Jace Armstrong, or, like oh, somebody no, no, that no. we know. No, no, no. <laughs> no, well, actually, Jace Armstrong factors factors into the story. I was hanging out with him and some other people, and I brought up I like Turtles Kid, and they were like, "What's that?" I was like, "What?" <laughs> you know, I like Turtles. I thought that was like everyone. No. It was a keyboard cat. I think it's so ubiquitous that I've seen jokes in scripts that are like, like a take on that, like. I like mm. lizards or, you know, like, yeah, I, I, yeah. You, yeah, I like totals. I, it blew my mind. Oh, well, Tim, speaking of precocious kids, did I ever tell you guys of the time that I met? And I'm not going into a song here. This is not leading up to a mashup. <laughs> good. good. Um, at the In-N-Out next to our old place on uh-huh. Cahuenga. You know the In-N-Out. Oh, yeah. yeah. Had many uh, burger there, you could say. Where, where Ghislaine Maxwell was photographed. Get out of here, really? Ghislaine? Ghislaine? Ghislaine. Jeffrey Epstein's Epstein? partner yeah. was tracked down and finally photographed at that very in and out No uh-huh. shit. Well, this is the same in and out where I saw Justin Long, where I saw Turtle from Entourage. Mm. Oh, yeah. And in this particular instance, I saw... The the young Fanning girls, mm. Dakota Fanning ah. and L Fanning. This was right on the heels of War of the Worlds, and Dakota Fanning was the precocious actor kid. Hell yeah! Uh-huh. Her and her younger sister, who nobody knew, were just being like loud, obnoxious kids. They were being kids. And I think that's what Hollywood strips from yeah. all these young it, oh. she, she wasn't being a fucking smarty <laughs> pants. She was like, she was excited to be at In-N-Out and was like very refreshing to see like, oh, she's not just a little piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think nice. anyone thought that. Hey, speaking of child actors, I got to spout off. Uh-oh. I watched Kid 90 and I hated it. What's Kid What's 90? Kid 90? It's a documentary on Hulu made by... Soleil Moonfry, uh-huh, Funky Brewster, uh-huh, uh-huh. and it's about what it was like to be a child actor in the nineties. Uh-huh. And it's it, did you guys watch Val? No, I heard that's good though. It's like a bad version of Val, where it's like this person was always running their video camera twenty four seven, and mm. now we have all this footage. And in the case of Val, it's fascinating because like there's something there. It's like. Val Kilmer was a Juilliard-trained actor who wanted to do real drama. He became a silly uh, movie star, and he was mm. tormented Ooh, by it. To be or not to be. And that's that's mm. interesting. That's kind of like me. I'm, I'm a brilliant satirist, and I'm stuck mm. on a podcast with a couple of drunks, you know? I know, yeah, yeah. Mm, well, wait a minute. <laughs> wait just a minute. <laughs> um, no, but Kid 90 is Punky Brewster. Her footage is good. She has young Leo DiCaprio hanging out and stuff. Hey! And, and then her the whole movie is like... Just L.A. trash, just vanity <laughs> and just what I hate, what I hate about this city, my beloved city. Yeah. Just the worst people. She fuck. She's like married and d- divorced from the worst guy. You know, you know, um, Ashton Kutcher's partner on on Punked. Huh? No. 
No, I don't. His he's like an Pope. Indian guy that wears Ed Hardy shirts. He's really tall. And he was like the producer of punk and he popped up in some episodes. Okay. Um, just, just Ed Hardy, you know, and yeah, an okay. Ed Hardy. Guy. Yeah. 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 Anyway, I need to go back and watch punk. Go back and watch punk. That sounds <laughs> yeah. fun. Season one. Start from season one. Maybe I'll do that. I finished all, all of the, almost every fucking jackass thing. Maybe I'll go to punk now. Yeah. <laughs> go to, go through the whole stew. This, I'll work my way through the Sundays too. And when I finish the Dudesons, I'm fucked. <laughs> well, you know what we should uh, go all the way through is what we're doing today. Yes. Yeah, what is that again? The blowout topic. We are talking today about the movie Back to School. And the and reason is because there is a certain autumnal crisp to the air. That's right. Oh, yes. That's right. People's uh, books are being dusted off. My mm-hmm. lunchbox is being prepared. Mm-hmm. My ruler and compass and protractor are standing at attention. Everyone's stepping onto campus in their brand new sneakers. These won't get dirty at all this year. My Jansport oh. is fixed on both shoulders. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I'm going back to school, back to school. To prove to dad that I'm not a fool. That is from a whole different movie. We should have yeah, done that not, movie too. Not that movie, different <laughs> that movie. movie. This and let's is, do Hubie Halloween in October. Oh, that's I a good love idea. Hubie Halloween. Hubie, <laughs> Hubie Halloween was real fun. Yeah. I, 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 will, I will do that in a, I will do that in a vampire heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> Which is even faster than a normal. It's even heartbeat. faster. Or they don't have heartbeats. I, I forget what. Well, they They're can't like, see each hey, other in the mirror. Yeah, yeah, or they can't yeah. see themselves in the mirror. The important thing Can is they see the mirror. each other in the mirror? <laughs> Anyway, anyway. I don't know. I uh, Well, anyway, back to school. Let's get back to back to school. This is a comedy from 1986, and iTunes, Apple TV, has this to say about it. Rodney Dangerfield plays a self-made millionaire, Thornton Mellon, owner of a chain of tall and fat clothing stores, who, after divorcing his philandering wife, enrolls in college to keep his son from dropping out. Rodney's invasion quickly turns the campus into a non-stop party zone, and he even helps the diving team win their big meet. Now, this is directed by Alan Metter, uh, starring Rodney Dangerfield, Sally Kellerman, and Keith Gordon. Hey, and don't forget, we got we got Robert Downey Jr. He pops up. That's right. He was yeah. uh yeah, he's the friend. He's the And, son's and don't friend. forget a screenplay credit by fucking Harold Ramis, man. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And don't forget Zabka. The fucking Who's that? He's the guy he's the bad he's the bad guy in the karate kid movies. He's in oh, this movie. Oh, oh yeah, doing, yeah, yeah. doing the same shtick. He's great. Yeah. yeah. Perfect perfectly hateable. And and Sam Kinison. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this movie for you guys. Is this is this a film that's like oh yeah I've seen it or like it's been around or like because this this is this is formative for me uh, not mm. to say whether it's good or bad but like this this is like a part of my uh, I, I I like you know I used to try to dress like things that I saw in this movie and and, <laughs> and, I, and I like the music I mean literally that um, when when, the, when Dangerfield's son is at a party and he's depressed. So he's wearing sunglasses and he's pissed off. Like, I feel like I went through a phase at our old house in my mid twenties where like I would put on sunglasses and sit in the lazy boy. And, and because I was like, that was built into my head from like five years old that like, Oh, if you're kind of pissed off at a party, you put sunglasses on and you go (laughs) out out in the corner. Were you pissed off at the parties? 
if you guys were there, I was really pissed. Ooh, fuck, yeah. fuck that's got to hurt, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I had seen this movie maybe like once or twice, but not all the way through. Yeah, uh, same. It's like something you see in bits and parts on like Comedy Central when you're in yeah, high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I remembered the, as the intro was happening, it's very strange. Like, it's not what I think this movie is. It's like black and white photos of. Loved the uh, intro. Dangerfield's character, like working his way up through business or whatever. And uh, they have a young kid playing him, talking to his dad. And the kid is from the Wonder Years. Oh, yeah. It's, um, yeah, the older brother from Wonder Years. Yeah. Randy? What the hell's his name? It's, it starts with the kid from Wonder Years. He plays young Rodney Dangerfield. And he's talking to his dad, who tells yeah. him, like, Hey, you, you gotta get an education. That's Im- that's the important thing. It's like, and you know, it's it, you know, it's young Rodney Dangerfield because he pulls his collar at one point. Does he? <laughs> yeah. At, at a point yeah, like that a isn't huge like appropriate. Yeah. yeah. But I I really liked <laughs> the, then the, like it launches into the opening credits where you see like, oh, he takes over his dad's textile business mm-hmm. and turns it into like this. Um, what is it? The big and fat store or whatever. Tall and fat. Tall and fat. It's got like a cheers like mm-hmm. what's the word I'm looking for like aesthetic No the fucking this there's, there's an scene. A, there's a nostalgic tinge to it yes yes <laughs> yes I liked in the intro how you see a, a shot of Dangerfield from like Caddyshack yeah, yeah. They, like the, the <laughs> that, that golf picture, it, I thought that too. Like, is that a still from Caddyshack? <laughs> Are you allowed to do that? Clearly, this movie only exists because of a star-making performance in Caddyshack. Yeah. Right. This was 1986. Caddyshack was six years earlier in 1980. And in 1980, he was new to film. Like, he was a stand-up, but there are all these um, accounts of him telling jokes on the set of Caddyshack and uh, him being thrown that the crew wasn't laughing. And right. it, it was news to him allowed. that the crew couldn't laugh during a take. Dude, um, Harold Ramis directed Caddyshack, and he tells a story that in that Rodney's first big scene in the uh, the pro shop of the country club, when he walks through and says, like, oh, nice hat. Will you buy that? You get a bowl of soup. And he kind of, like, <laughs> reams, makes fun of everybody in the uh, pro shop that it was his first movie scene and Harold Ramis said action and Rodney didn't like, he was supposed to like round the corner from the doorway and walk into the room and on action, he didn't do anything. And then (laughs) Ramis was like, uh, Rodney, I said action. And then Rodney goes, you mean do my bit? (laughs) 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 And they're like, from that point forward, they were like, yes, Rodney, do your bit. (laughs) Do my bit. And do, do your bit is adorable for Rodney, but I, I identify that as, as a non-actor who's done some acting. When I'm in a scene, I never am like present. I'm always just sort of like doing my bit that I rehearsed the night before uh-huh. and just like firing through my lines being like, is this kind of funny? How about this? <laughs> I wonder if like, does do your bit mean like he was just improvising those things or it's no. like he wrote them himself? He wrote his lines. I think they've always like, used his stand-up as a guide and then gave mm-hmm. him like barbs. But he, he is a writer. He's a good writer. Not not like story-wise. But. He, no, he's got some good novels. <laughs> that whole opening montage ends in him doing a TV spot for his store. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is a machine gun of jokes. Like one thing I like about this movie is that it doesn't ask you to care too much. It doesn't really stop down to be like, oh, ever. Yes. And <laughs> like... It, you know, in a few minutes after that, when his wife cheats on him or whatever, like, I hate that when 
the score of a movie asks you to cry and you're like, I'm not fucking crying. This is Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah. But I feel like this whole movie is light and they're hitting those beats, but it's all kind of tossed off. <laughs> there was a really funny moment when uh, his, the wife who's about to divorce him is like, she's like, follow me. I got to talk to you. And she walks into the bedroom talking She's like, and another thing, you don't. And she looks back; he's not even there yet. And he's then he walks in. And she's like, you don't do it. I'm telling you. <laughs> That's such a funny detail. Like he's he's just taking his time getting to get yelled at. <laughs> what a cool thing that that you mentioned that opening montage, and it has very iconically Danny Elfman music. You know, it sounds yeah. very much like the Simpsons theme yes. and like Tim Burton music. So it's so cool that uh, not to get ahead of ourselves, but when we get oh, to get the out big, of you. jump around, whatever yeah, made you feel, I'll do kind of a Tarantino. To, we don't thing. do the synopsis. Watch the movie, you freaks. This episode's gonna be like Rashomon. Ooh, Ooh. interesting um, stuff. When we eventually <laughs> get to Thornton Mellon's big party, Oingo Boingo is the the house band, and yeah. Danny Elfman is singing "Dead Man's Party." Great song off a great. That's a album. cool song. I like that idea too. And it's just so cool. I feel like there's someone else we've talked about on our this show before, but like when you take a big brained composer and mm-hmm. apply it to pop rock, it's such it's so cool. And and to I love Oingo Boingo and I love just this idea that the fact that he did the score but uh, like, imagine you're watching a movie and like Philip Glass did the score, and then also it cuts to a rock club, and Philip Glass is like, "Hey, He's baby, like party. yeah, that's the <laughs> fucking baller move. That's cool. Hey, baby, I'm Philip G. Don't you want to get next to me? That's that's pretty good for Philip Glass. <laughs> that's yeah. You should send him that line. <laughs> um, hey, oh, uh, I wanted to say about the wife, the bitch wife. <laughs> she uh, is in Creep Show. She as another great bitch wife, which what the old creep show? Yeah, the, in the, one of the movies, in one or mm. two, she's she plays a uh, a wife who's like really up the ass of her husband. Oh, the crate! Have you guys seen the crate? Anyway, uh-uh. uh, you, you folks at home, this, this is in Creep Show One, and um, I remember watching that and not having seen um, Back to School or at least her parts, and being like, "Wow, she's really good at this." And then to see like, oh, she did back to school first. And then they were like, we need somebody like that for Creep Show and got yeah. her. The the casting is great in this movie. And I love the idea that Thornton Mellon had like a sweet late wife that we don't see, but sounds like she was nice. And yeah. then he had the the bitch second wife who's cheating on him and she's mean. And then the love interest <laughs> that they cast, the professor Sally Kellerman, is so perfect as like this kind of like older, like I wear big floppy pants and I'm a breezy intellectual. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. such like a perfect lady. For She's him. the poetry teacher. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that. I didn't really understand the relationship between her and Phil, the, the stodgy uh, business school teacher, Dean. Like he, they were dating or something. She was like, we should make this like, it seemed like they he, were he together. He was sort of a Hanford type kind of a Yeah, guy. well, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they were in kind of a, a loveless relationship of convenience. Oh. Yeah. And he's like, I think we should t- have a merger of our relationship. I don't want- Philip, I don't want to have a merger. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what do we think about Dangerfield's son? You know um, what's funny about him, Jeff? I seem to remember when I saw it a long time ago, I was like, oh, this, this kid's like just a whiny like a character's whining and stuff, but uh-huh. he wasn't, he was, I thought he was great, but, uh, okay. I, I, 
there was one moment I really liked when uh, Dangerfield's secretary is in class for him. Mm-hmm. And the teacher comes up to talk to her. And the, the secretary is uh, the, the woman from this is the secretary from Ferris Bueller. Yes. Yeah. Uh, her name is. We'll have Ooh, to look it up. I forget. Also trains planes and automobiles. She's the one that she Steve says Martin goes on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're fucked. Oh, yeah. Um, ahead, but what I was saying was, oh, yeah. When the, the teacher comes up to like talk to her, the Jason, the son character is like laughing. I thought that mm-hmm. was such a cool like. In a comedy movie, the the characters are laughing at a funny thing. Yeah, happening. yeah, yeah, yeah. I always you, like when that happens. You, that that is cool, and it's not total dog shit. But I was gonna say that the son character, Jason, as you call him, uh-huh. uh, reminds me of the younger characters in Caddyshack, where it was just like, okay, at some <laughs> point they they felt like they needed like younger people to like get the target audience in or something. Uh-huh. But they're just so severely outclassed by the funnier older stars of this movie. Yeah, why <laughs> in the 70s and 80s did they think that the protagonist needed to be no fun and then put funny people around them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cuz Danny Noonan in Caddyshack is like he's a snooze. He's a snooze. And this kid, I think that actor is good, but I was kind of watching the movie like his qualm with his dad. It's interesting because he's like, we meet him. He's at college. It's not going well. He's sad. And then his dad is like, I'm going to come to college, too. And the son's (laughs) buddy. I did think it was very funny that like his son is instantly into the idea of his dad going. I, know, to I college. loved it. But he's like, like, "What do you think of that? I think you're nuts." <laughs> and then he and he hugs <laughs> him and he's one. like, "Yeah." Like like any nor, any movie now would be like, "No, dad, you that's embarrassing to me." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did, I laughed at that. <laughs> I think, I you're, think nuts. you're nuts. He's very likable that actor, and and I think also it's it, they were trying to thread a needle where it's like. His problem isn't that his dad is smothering him or anything like that. It's like his buddy Robert Downey Jr. is a communist and he is sort of sympathetic <laughs> to that, that it's like he doesn't want to he doesn't want to be given advantages by his rich dad. Mm-hmm. He he wants to like earn things and he starts to get disillusioned with the with the college system that it's like, oh, we're going to dick around for four years and then what happens after college is going to happen regardless. And this is all an illusion. Right. It don't, I don't know if beat for beat for beat in the story of this movie, that that's exactly his ideology. It's right. kind of like waffles around a bit. Cause he's just in love with a girl who is dating a douche. And, and it's funny because like in this scenario, unlike karate kid, you have Zabka, right? The blonde, uh, jock guy. Uh-huh. But in this scenario, the hero is like the rich silver spoon guy. So it adds this extra yeah, wrinkle right, of like, right. who, who really are the haves and have-nots in this situation? It yeah, seems they're like, all haves. He's like, I'm a dorky little dude, but I'm just like fantastically rich. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's not snobs versus slobs because even Dangerfield is a rich slob. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's confusing. I guess he was in, in uh, Caddyshack, too. He was a rich guy. Yeah, I mean, this whole movie is reverse engineered from <laughs> Caddyshack and they got Ramus. I, I want to say that I watched a DVD commentary where Ramus uh, did commentary of this movie. And, and it's it's funny to think that they had to kind of cobble together a, mo- a movie based on that hit character. But D- Dangerfield is so likable. I, I really mm-hmm. I, I, he's uh, it's absurd. Yeah, it's so cool that he also like put his trust into young writers and mo- filmmakers. Was just like right. you guys are the new young thing. I'm pretty old school, but like 
I'll go along if you let me do my thing and uh, trust you to make me funny. By the way, is is every uh, Dangerfield movie like the snobs versus slobs thing? Is Wally Sparks? Yes. Well, I was going to uh, say we got to watch me. La- Ladybugs? Yes. Yeah. Ladybug, right? I don't remember Wally Sparks. What, what, a, what a great thing for like a guy who is undeniably slobby, mm-hmm. viscerally a goofball to get really rich and famous in as a stand-up comedian it like lends itself so much to what was happening in movies at the time there is a great he's the nouveau riche yeah exactly he's new money and he on youtube there's a clip of a a weird press conference um when they were promoting caddyshack there there was like you know doug kenny wrote caddyshack and then fritzed out and then did too much cocaine and then died there was like a press conference at Dangerfield's um, stand-up comedy club in New York to promote Caddyshack. And Doug Kenny famously like threw a little hissy fit drunkenly in the back of the room. And, and there's no footage of that. But there is on YouTube the press conference of like Chevy, Bill Murray and Dangerfield and Judge Smales promoting Caddyshack. And it's so cool to watch these guys in 1980 promoting this movie because they're nothing like their characters. You know, Rodney Dangerfield is kind of a shy man and, uh-huh. uh, and they all look kind of grimy. It's like an early Saturday morning. And, uh, these guys are very cool dudes in the, in the live comedy world. And then they made all these kind of very like broad iconic comedies where they're playing like tropes, but Dangerfield is not really anything like his onstage persona. He's like, mm. he's kind of a, he's an introvert and he's miserable and his whole, I don't get no respect. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say he doesn't get any regard or esteem. <laughs> but all that comes from like, he was like in an unhappy marriage and his wife hated him and he like internalized it and was really sad. And then he wrote all this brilliant stand up comedy out of it and then became a star. But he, isn't he like the... I feel like he's the inspiration for a lot of people to get into stand-up comedy late. They're always like, you know, Rodney didn't start doing comedy until his 40s. Or like Larry David is another one, too, where they're like, you know, Larry David drove a cab until he was like 40 years old. Yeah. Or 30. 30. Is that, yeah, Dangerfield is one of those guys where he was like, he didn't start doing stand-up until he was 40? I think he started stand-up in his 40s and then like within a couple years was on The Tonight Show. Like I think he skyrocketed to fame. This guy's get he gets respect. He gets respect from Johnny. Hey, back to the film. What a funny choice that diving is the sport. I know. know. I don't know where that comes from. When when we saw that, uh, because we we've all been to one of those. Yeah, a diving Um, public pool up in the valley that had the high dive, Mm -hmm. like the concrete tower that you do the high dive off of. And I was and I thought when I saw that I was like. Hey, we got to do a blowout where we do that dive. The triple Lindy? <laughs> yeah. Not the triple Lindy, but just like uh, we, we see what we can do up there. Like, let me, let me, I want to see your personal style. <laughs> oh, you can express yourself however you want? Yeah. <laughs> um, I haven't done it in a couple of years, but uh, I used to go out to Pasadena to the Rose Bowl Aquatic Center mm. where they shot the cover of Nevermind by Nirvana. Ah. Mm-hmm. Um, you pay 12 bucks. You can swim laps and <laughs> you can a do a picture of you. <laughs> I'm too scared. <laughs> they put your dick on an album cover. 
Um, that kid recently sued. Did you oh, see yeah, that? right, right. Mm. But that would, uh, I've always chickened out of the high diving board, but that would make a good blowout. You're right. The only, the only thing I've ever done off a high diving, like the high platform is just like, Stand on the edge and jump. Yeah, pen, pencil like a, dive. Like, yeah. like as if you're like thing. cliff jumping or something. Just, yeah. Yeah. It's like barely a jump. I just kind of like walk off of it. I take a step down. Truly. I, I think I like really fucked my back up during um, Ithaca. I went cliff dump jumping and sat dumping. on the water. Oh, like, I, oh I, I did yeah. Like you got to clinch those cheeks, Jeffy. I used to be able Natural to crack. colonic. Yeah. I used to be able to. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I used to be able to crack my back and I can't anymore. Um, ooh. Uh, I thought, ooh, I'm going to pay for this later. And um, yeah, I got back pain now. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Still, from that <laughs> moment. I think so. I mean, it's the only like weird back shit I've had in my life. You got to go to Tim's masseuse. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's true. I, um, in a video, me and David Ferguson had an ICTV show. I remember. And I shot a video for it where something only a 19-year-old would do, where I like for a joke... I threw myself like down some stairs, like the stairs in my <laughs> Jesus dorm. Christ. And I just didn't think anything of it. I'm like, yeah, I'll roll down the stairs like Chevy Chase. And I rolled down the stairs and I hurt my shoulder. And now 20 years later, my fucking shoulder still hurts from that very Damn. moment. Well, that's but fucked up. Jeff, you mentioned being in water. Mm-hmm. Which reminded me of my biggest LOL this time watching this movie was right before he goes to college. Thornton Mellon is in the pool and he gets the idea to go to college and he yells out <laughs> to the, his limo driver, Lou. He's like, Lou, pack our bags. And then he swims across <laughs> the pool. And he goes, we're going to that college to see my son. <laughs> and I've never, I've never felt blocking so much more than it's like, yeah, I know the script just says this all in one chunk, but how about you say the first half of the line and then you swim and then you say the second half of the line. And it's not like a cool thing. It's like clunky. He's like, we're going to that college to see my son. And then Lou. That's a weird one. When I watched this when I was younger, Lou has a move where in order to clear out all the kids are in line signing up for classes and it's too busy. And then mm -hmm. they want to, Thornton wants to clear the kids out of the way. So Lou stands out by his limo and holds up a sign that says Springsteen. Mm -hmm. um, so that all the kids run outside screaming like they're going to see Bruce Springsteen. I remember, <laughs> I remember watching this movie on Comedy Central and feeling like proud because I love <laughs> I love Bruce Springsteen so much. It's almost like when you're a kid and you hear someone like like on t a commercial mentions your birthday and you're like, "That's my birthday." I'm proud. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're like, you know, there's a mattress sale until April 30th, and I'm like, "Hey, April 30th, that's my birthday." <laughs> um, I, I still I still like if I'm watching and some a character's name is Mike, I'm like, "Ooh, oh, kind of cool." <laughs> or well, if it's like somebody with me, like if I'm watching with you guys and the characters named Jeff and Tim, like, "Hey, Jeff and Tim, what do you think of that?" <laughs> you guys are on TV. I definitely, well into my 20s, saw this movie on Comedy Central and. The way that the girls scream for Springsteen, I remember being like, yeah, fucking the boss, man, he fucking rules. <laughs> he I can do it, it, man. He gets <laughs> the ladies yeah, going. Hey, the boss, man, he deserves every inch of shrimp he gets. Man. <laughs> you want to clear out a room? You want to get the chicks screaming? Fucking 
tease him that the boss is nearby. <laughs> Timmy, I, uh, I love that Lou character, though. He's, I was going to say, like, I, it's funny you mentioned that he was the driver because I had no idea, like, where he came from or what his, like, he just sort of eased into the movie where I was just like, who's this fucking guy that's always with Dangerfield? He, he picks, or he, like, does fights for him. He also massages Dangerfield. <laughs> <laughs> Iconic. He's in the Sopranos. He's in Rocky. He's uh, oh, he's in the right. Sopranos, huh? He yeah. does. See, he did seem familiar. Who is he in Sopran? In Sopranos, he's like an old guy, part of uh, one of the families who wants to do one last hit, but he's like coughing up blood. Ooh. Not AJ Junior. <laughs> he's, so he's not AJ, AJ or Meadow. A- AJ, I would describe as like one of the younger members of the family. Yes. Mm, yeah. Hey, did you guys know that AJ and Meadow had a podcast? Yep. Really. Yeah. Can you guess what they talked about? <laughs> Sopranos. I tried listening to the other one, talking talking Sopranos with um, M- Michael Imperioli, cri- who played Christopher Moltisanti, is a fascinating guy. He's a, like a classically trained stage actor in New York. who Also then got cast a, in, wrote some episodes. Yeah. And, 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 and he's, he's a director and he's, he's brilliant. And now the last thing you would expect from a guy like that he lives in Santa Barbara. He teaches meditation. He's Ooh, very cool. Wow. He's like a very, I follow him on Instagram. He's like a really smart, cool guy. But then Bobby Bacala, Steve Sharippa, mm-hmm. talks over him, almost like me on this podcast. <laughs> he just interrupts and fucking blabs and blabs. And, you know, Michael Imperioli can't even get a word in on his own podcast. Dude, I thought it was... I thought it was Michael Imperioli and Paulie. It's Bobby? It's Bobby. On their podcast? Oh, fuck. And I like Bobby. <laughs> it's just that in, in I mean, pod mode. Look, I'm right. only on season four, but I thought when I heard the story originally, I envisioned Paulie and uh, what's, what's Imperioli's character? Uh, Christopher. Christopher. Because they seem like a much more natural pairing as far as where I'm at on season four. No spoilers. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, Imperioli talks about Polly Walnuts and said, uh, what's his name? Uh, I forget his name. Says that that actor was actually, he grew to love him, but said he was very icy. Mm. And that that in the first season, it was like, don't fuck with that guy. He's mean. Oh. I think he had been in Goodfellas. But then again, so had Imperioli. He plays Spider. In- oh, yeah. he's They're so good. That's crazy. I mean, there's also, there's also that method acting thing, though, where it's just like, Hey, he's your superior. Yeah. So he's not going to be that nice to you between takes. And it kind of preserves that little bit of distance. Yeah, yeah. I feel like, didn't I do that to you guys when we shot our um, Cue the Cuervo? <laughs> Brandon Kemp. Well, you were doing it and I was like, I don't think Tim's the superior here. If anything, it's like, Jeff is because he's directing. Hey, you fucking guys, yo, step the fuck away from me. <laughs> we were like, what? No, Tim, get Tim back to one. Tim. <laughs> You'd be saying that and Jeff would be like, quiet on set. <laughs> okay, I'll be quiet for a little while. <laughs> for a little while. Tim, you did do a lot of muttering on the set of Cue the Cuervo. Yeah, that was a really good campaign. <laughs> yeah, guys, sold let's, a lot of Cuervo. Let's look. We we know we sold a lot of Cuervo. That much is indisputable. Speaking of brands of spirits, let's talk about a movie that had some Miller product placement. That's right. Thank you, Miller Light, Miller High Life. That's fun. Yeah, that was cool. They're all here, folks. Oh, we, the going back to Lou. Remember when they're in the bar and Thornton's like. 
hey, why don't you girls come over and sit with me and Lou? <laughs> like they do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Lou is sitting next to that one girl who doesn't say anything. Did you notice later in the movie when they're like, I don't know, doing whatever, she like is with him? <laughs> like oh, they, they became a couple? They became Love a couple. It. That attention to detail. That was such a funny detail. Like Lou is this like <laughs> sweaty, gross guy. Um, and this girl likes him. Have you guys ever seen Back to School 2? There's a scene where that girl, no. that girl is performing analingus on Lou. Like, <laughs> oh, my god! For like 40 minutes. Wow. That's, that's a, well, how long was the movie? Uh, 41 minutes. <laughs> um, Nasty. I bet you, look, there is a moment in time where there would definitely be a Back to School 2. Oh, give me, give me Kevin Hart. I bet you. I, I bet you somebody's <laughs> attempted back to school too with like Tim Allen. Who has the vibe? Um, Nick Offerman. Mm, that's not bad. With Tim Allen. But there's, you know, th- I feel like it is imbued. When you watch PCU, mm-hmm. yes, you feel the Animal House vibes and the Revenge of the Nerds vibes, but I feel like uh, back to school is in the stew. Yes. It's in the Sunday yes. stew. <laughs> this Put it back in the stew. This movie, I forget... There was another movie we've discussed in the blowout uh, that did this, but this movie does that thing where it's like it came out in 1986, but then when they're at a party, there's like 60s music playing. You know, like I forget which mm. song it is, but there's a cover of like... It was Twist and Shout. Twist yeah. and Shout. And they, they stay on that band for so long of that, <laughs> yeah. of that song. And hearing Rodney be like, shake it a baby now. <laughs> oh, yeah. He he seems like a guy who's like possibly a terrible singer, and they and they really engineered the, like the... The takes that well, he used. I, I think full, I can't full tone deaf. People throw around t- the word tone deaf, but he's actually tone deaf. And it's funny that like also in the 80s, uh, Ferris Bueller used Twist and Shout. Oh, yeah. And oh. it just lets you know, it just reminds you of how long media used to stick around. If you made right. media that made impact, that shit would fucking stick around. Edie McClurg was the, was the huh? receptionist. Edie McClurg. Uh, was the receptionist and the typer. Sorry, Jeff. It just came to me when good. you said no, no, no. Bueller. And and like and like I'm sure she's got like serious chops. She's from like Second City or something, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people like that are always like the, the beloved like queen of a scene. And then mm-hmm. in movie, you know what makes me laugh so hard is in Ferris Bueller. She's on the phone trying to cover for Rooney <laughs> at one point, yeah. and she's kind of doing his voice, and she's like. Arr, arr, arr. <laughs> I just watched that the other day and I saw that scene and I love when it goes, goes back to camera and he's like, call me sir. God damn it. (laughs) It's a good movie. Come on, Rooney. Um, you know what made me laugh out loud in this movie? (laughs) was, um, jumping ahead a little bit when, when, when Dangerfield, when the chips are down and danger, things are not going good. It's the end of act two. And Dangerfield says he's going to leave the college. Um, his son walks into their cool dorm yeah. and he finds Rodney making a sandwich, a big sandwich with a lot of ingredients. And he's like, dad, what's wrong? And Dangerville's like, I'm leaving. This college thing was a bad idea. And it's like, what? It's, it's <laughs> not like he, it's not like the son walked in and found his dad moping well, or found t- his dad like laying face down on the ground. He's making a sandwich. Well, Tim, do you remember <laughs> in the very beginning where he where he finally has the blow up with his wife? He makes a he big makes- sandwich out of the oh. stuff at the buffet. Oh my god! Does Melon <laughs> always when he's sad he makes huge sandwiches? <laughs> yeah. That's kind of cool. 
I love that I the, fan, the fancy buffet when he's like dumping whole dishes of meatballs yeah. on his head. and people like are starting to crowd around. <laughs> they love it. He's, he's yeah. pouring deviled eggs into a big loaf of bread. Uh, when when Rodney then like has to study hard and like do well, a, a study montage is always the funniest. Yes, thing like different weird ways to read books, and, like, like holding a book in your face while you're passed out, like that's gonna yeah. work. <laughs> like in the shower, or he's getting a massage, and the guy uh, Robert Downer Jr. is holding the book for him underneath. It's like that's, you can't read that way. I remember being at Ithaca and studying for finals, and and kind of like thinking of that montage and being like, yeah, I wish I could. Just be like someone have someone holding me up in the shower and holding a book. <laughs> My favorite line from this movie that has always been the one that makes me crack up. Do you do you have a guess as to what it might be? We have not these, mentioned it yet. These are my nieces. No, that's funny though. <laughs> that's a, that's just like the craziest thing to say. It's um when Wait, uh, I have a guess. I have a guess. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a guess? When his son is like, I got straight C's or whatever. And he's like, A, B, C, you're in the top three. What are you worried about? <laughs> That's funny, too. <laughs> no. My favorite line is, what penmanship? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she, he's so enamored with her. She writes her phone number so she can tutor him. And then she walks away and he's left alone in the frame. He looks at the, he looks at the paper and looks up and goes, what penmanship? <laughs> uh, so funny. Man. It's just so refreshing to see a guy like Rodney just be like, he's a joke a minute. He's about the jokes. This movie doesn't waste any time with like trying to make you feel bad under under like fake circumstances. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it, it just moves. I'll say like I did find myself looking at my phone a lot towards the end of the movie, just being like, I know how this is going to go. But it's just such a machine gun of jokes. And if you're, if you're into Rodney, this is like classic, one of the best uh, Rodney movies. I agree. It is like, from a person who does like their stand-up set translating to a movie, he's basically just like walking and talking his stand-up. Yeah. Or, or yeah. his style of stand-up. Uh, and that's cool to I to was see. admiring the, the, the set piece of the triple Lindy, mm -hmm. the big dive. Mm -hmm. This... Obviously, like screenwriting already works this way, but it's become very cliche to sort of like if you mention a secret dive in Act One, we know we what, what is dad. it? It's not it's not Chekhov's gun, is it? Hey, that, yeah, that's, it is. that's what all the screenwriting books say, Tim. If you mention a secret dive in Act One, <laughs> then, yeah. then you have to fire a gun in Act Three. <laughs> um, now, now we would know if you say something like that, you're getting it, and and of course that. It was a little bit of a trope before 1986, but as far as comedies go, I, I really feel like the tri triple Lindy got in just before that got played out to the point where it's like, it's very satisfying to know that he has a secret dive mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. that in the climax of the movie, they need a secret <laughs> dive. And when Rodney does it, um, or his, his stunt double does it. <laughs> you can see um, the wig like coming off as he's like, <laughs> the wind is like picking the wig up. But it's so funny him doing it. And when when it is him and you get a shot of his face, like um, he makes a funny face between every like <laughs> point of contact. Yes. And the dive is funny. It's and that was satisfying. the thing I feel like that we have vented before about like when your act three climax thing, if it's a comedy, that big set piece should be a comedy moment. And, and the best example I can think of is um I mean, I'm, they were probably thinking of this movie as they were like writing, but um, the Catalina wine mixer in 
uh, stepbrothers mm. is funny when, when, when they when they take the stage and Will Ferrell sings that Andrea Bocelli song and John C. Riley is playing the drums. It's the emotional climax of the movie, but it's also like the a big funny comedy set piece that makes you laugh. And yeah. I feel like so many comedies now, it's sort of like there's just a plot happening with a plot payoff and then they speckle some jokes throughout. But when Rodney does the triple indie, it's like a comedy set piece. And the fact that it wins the the diving meet yeah. <laughs> and makes me laugh at the same time is like, well, that's what a comedy should do, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I <laughs> I was just <laughs> laughing. It, it's so funny how the coach like is like friendly with him. <laughs> yes. He's, He's he's not like an agitator. He's just like, yeah, I want you to do well and be on my team. <laughs> I love that guy. That's the guy that shoots the cans in the jerk. Oh, no shit. Yeah, 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 right. And then when they cut to uh, the dean of the school is that guy who's like the dean cowardly Martin. lion's son. Uh, dean Martin. He He's like the squeal. He's like the cowardly lion's son in real life? In real life, he's the cowardly lion's oh. son. And then in, in deliverance, he's the one who is made to squeal like a pig. Oh, oh, shit. But I love the Dean they, they cast looks so similar to the diving coach. It's like these kind of two, yeah. two chubby guys. <laughs> it's hard to. I wonder if uh, the choice for doing the swim team or the diving team was like, what would be a funny thing to see Rodney Dangerfield do? Yeah. yeah. That you wouldn't like ever guess he could do. Like diving would be one of them. It's also funny that he gets like called out from the stands. So, so Zabka, the bad boy, um, did a bad dive. And then the sun uh-huh. does a good dive. And we say, hooray, sun, you won your little arc against Zabka. And then yeah, Zab- like that. I think Zabka's going up again. And he's like, uh, I can't. I twisted my ankle. So it's like he... Kind of like Caddyshack, too. He kind of wimps out. Oh, yeah. He, he, it, oh, it yeah. Seemed- Rodney does that exact move in Caddyshack. Oh, my yeah. elbow. My arm. Yeah, what a climax, baby. More diving okay. climaxes. The, the speaking of like... Uh, Climaxes of people's stories when Jason and his love interest, uh, like tell each other their feelings at the end. He's like, I'm in love with you, and she's like, I love you too. <laughs> like, love, she, and then she's, them, like, she's also like, other. These are the most words you've ever said to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love you too. You guys are having your first kiss, having professed your love to each other. <laughs> yeah, that's very, uh, that's a bad thing. If you grow up watching movies like that, that doesn't do well well for your dating life to, to be yeah. like, so I secretly fall in love with someone who's way too hot for me and then tell her how I feel. <laughs> I love Tim, you. I spent, I spent decades doing that. Yeah. That's like, um, I w- think we've talked before about <laughs> Can't Hardly Wait. Uh, Ethan Emery is like... Uh, just like driving around thinking about his love instead of talking to the girl he loves. He's just like looking at the stars being like, Oh, love. <laughs> well, nowadays we would say he's love. down bad. Oh yeah. He, he caught feelings. Yeah. Mm. And here's your crown King. <laughs> Don't drop this. <laughs> Folks. It's happened once again. I hate to say it. Oh, already Mike. We're all out of things to say. Can't can we just go a little bit longer? No. Nope. Wait, I have, one, I have one last thing to say. Oh, it's too bad. We're <laughs> wrapping up the show. <laughs> Maybe next week's blow will be the thing yeah. Tim has to say. Tim, I'll allow it just this time. Let's not make a habit of this. Triple because there's three diving boards. Lindy because of Lindbergh flying, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess. 
Okay. okay. That's I was just going to ask you guys. That was that it. Why it's called <laughs> oh. the, trip, the triple Lindy. Lindbergh flies planes transatlantically. Yeah, yeah, mm. he's up in the air. Triple. The Lindy hop. Um, that's going to be, that's going to I don't have know to, if it was worth me. That, I don't think so. That. I don't think it was. I can tell you it was not. <laughs> God, I should have uh, just like taken to, it to the grave. <laughs> I like to keep this big hand bopper hour pretty, pretty moving. Uh, yeah, no, don't forget about Wolfman Tim. Wow, and do we have JC Jason? Yeah, it was a good episode well told. <laughs> okay. A good episode well told. <laughs> and that makes me the big head bopper saying good night patrols. Whoa! Goodbye, folks.